I wanted to spend this shorter time we have today with you in the Old Testament. So if you'll find the book of Malachi in your Old Testament, I want to look to chapter 3. And a topic that I believe will be a blessing to you all, young and old, um, as we look to Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and the topic of the refining fire of God. Our passage reads this way, Malachi 3, 1 through 6. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner, a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in former years. Then I will draw near you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner. Do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. God's good word for us this morning. Lord, we just ask that you just lead us and guide us, and Holy Spirit would give us clarity, understanding of this topic, and um, uh, a true faith that rejoices in you for some new faith, saving faith, for others refined, sanctified faith that is all the more clinging to you, trusting in you, hoping in you. Be glorified in us in this time together. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. A study of the refining fire of God should start with a basic understanding of fire. Fire's basic functional uses are for heat, light, for cooking, uh, and on others. Throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, fire is frequently associated with three important acts of God. The first, God's presence. Second, God's divine judgment or punishment. And the third, God's purification or sanctifying work in our lives. Consider these each with me for a moment. First, God's presence. Fire is a central element of the description of what we call theophanies. This is when God reveals himself to his creation in specific ways that we see throughout biblical literature, specifically the Old Testament. For example, Genesis 15, 17, God appears, uh, his appearance for the covenant with Abraham is in the form of a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. His appearance to Moses was in the burning bush in Exodus 3, 2. His leading of Israel was with the pillar of fire by night, Exodus 13, Deuteronomy 1. His appearance in fire of the mountain Sinai, Exodus 19. Elijah defeats the prophets of Baal with, at Mount Carmel with, when Yahweh produces fire for a sacrifice in 1 Kings 18. The prophet Elisha was surrounded by an angelic army of flaming horses and chariots when the king of Aram tried to attack him in 2 Kings 6. 
Zechariah foresaw a future Jerusalem without the usual protective outer wall because God told the prophet, for I will be a wall of fire around her. Zechariah 5.2. I'm sorry, Zechariah 2.5. Fiery theophanies continue in the New Testament as well. Christ's appearance in the vision of John is with eyes of fire in Revelation 4, chapter 2. The outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost was signaled by the appearance of fire in each believer's head. The influence of the Holy Spirit is likened unto fire. Matthew 3, fire represents divine action with God himself presented as a consuming fire in Hebrews 12. Uh, the, the Bible says that, the fire, that fire is God's servant. In Psalm 104 and Hebrews 1, and his word is like fire, Jeremiah 23, 29. So we also see fire used to exercise God's judgment, his punishment in Holy Scripture. In the Old Testament, we see this. God places, if you remember, a flaming sword that's going every direction to guard and block the road back to Eden's tree of life in Genesis 3.24. God destroys the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah with fire. The Egyptians experienced supernatural thunderstorm that involved hail accompanied by fire in Exodus 9. Aaron, sons of Nabib, and, and Abihu are consumed by fire in front of the tabernacle after they violate ritualistic protocol. Korah's rebellion abruptly ends when Yahweh consumes 250 men in fire. Number 16, fire also plays a central role as both animal sacrifices are most often consumed by fire. For this purpose, ancient Israel, a perpetual fire was maintained on the altar of burnt offerings, seen in Leviticus 6, 12, and 9. Fire is also used by God for eternal punishment. Hell is the final destiny for unbelievers and is variously described by the figures of a furnace of fire, eternal fire, eternal punishment by fire. Hell is described as the lake of fire, second death. The final state of the wicked is eternal as they burn with unquenchable fire. The unquenchable fire where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Third church, fire is used by God for purification and sanctification. This is the work of God to refine his people for holy living. Unlike the presence of God and the judgment and punishment of God, which is a more literal fire, the refining fire of God is a spiritual and more metaphorical fire. But oh, how essential it is for us. So let's turn together this morning and discover the refining fire of God in its different layers. First, what is it? We look back at our passage. It says in Malachi 3, 2 through 3, he's like a refiner's fire, fuller soap. He will sit as a refiner, a purifier of silver, to purify the sons of Levi, refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. The Hebrew word here for refiner expresses the melting, testing, refining of something, mostly metals, especially precious metals like gold and silver. In the ancient world, crude metal was remelted to remove its impurities to make metal castings, tools, weapons, images, and etc. The metal was heated in pottery crucibles, 
and then in ovens and hearths, bellows often being used to provide uh, a drought to create intense heat. The scriptures speak of God as the master refiner. The master refiner, seeking the pure metal to trying and testing the heart of man. Isaiah 1.25, I will turn my hand against you and will smelt away your dross as with lying. Remove all your alloy. 1 Peter 1.7, the refining of gold is used as a metaphor for the stronger faith that emerges after a believer's persecution. A refiner's fire's purpose, church, is to purify, to purify something of value. It purifies by removing the impurities so that the value is greater to the owner as it becomes a more righteous treasure. Church, understand that God's purpose is to purify his people by refining fire so that we are a vessel of worship made more and more in Christ's likeness that is pleasing to God. 2 Corinthians 2.15, we are the aroma of Christ to God. To be specific, why do we need God's refining fire of sanctification? Two answers I want to focus on this morning reveal both the ways sanctification is at work in the life of the believer. First, in salvation sanctification. Second, in progressive sanctification. God's work to sanctify us in salvation, to understand that we first need to realize rightly that God is holy and we are not. God is holy. When Moses stood before God's presence, manifested the burning bush, God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the, pres- for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Exodus 3.5. Revelation 15.4. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name for, all, for you alone are holy. 1 John 1.5. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Revelation 4, 8, day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Here we see this triple emphasis of the holiness of the Lord. When we see in scripture a word used doubly, it's to bring great emphasis. When we see it triple used, it's, it's to really proclaim God's holiness is supreme. This very attribute of God is holiness Scriptures tell us is what we will sing of forever. Beloved, nothing God does is not holy. All that God does is holy and perfect and right. On the flip side, mankind is not holy. Romans 3, Paul rightly explains mankind's condition. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In our culture, people love to argue that there's good in man and that not all men are bad or evil or wicked. We arrive at this view because we look at certain people and maybe we see something better in them compared to another person and therefore conclude they're not evil, wicked, bad. But this is a critical error to compare man to man in order to quantify or to determine righteousness. We need to see our sin rightly in the light of the holiness of God. 
for he is the standard by which all things are measured. The Bible says that even our very best attempts at righteousness apart from Christ are the equivalent of soiled garments. We've all become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Isaiah 64, 6. So back to Malachi verse 5, he says, I will draw near you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, adulterers, those who swear falsely, those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, the widow, the fatherless, those who thrust aside the sojourner, and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. Church, it's because of our unholiness that we are to be judged. Mankind is to be judged for our wickedness, for our sin, our betrayal of God's holy standard. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done in the body, whether good or evil. Mankind is unholy, which is why it says in our passage today, who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? If by man's best efforts, our best efforts, we fall completely short, completely short of the perfect standard of God, then we are utterly desperate for a Savior to sanctify and save us. Amen? Hear the good news of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 11. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The good news that God sent his son to save his elect and make us holy before him. Ephesians chapter 2, 4 and 5 and 8 through 10. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the gift, church, of sanctification and salvation. We are declared holy because of Christ, because of that great exchange where in our salvation, Christ's righteousness is laid upon us and he takes the guilt of our sin upon him. The Holy God sees Jesus' righteousness and declares us holy. And we are reconciled to the Holy God. We are justified and made right, adopted into his family. This is the only way, the only way guilty sinners can receive and be reconciled to the Holy God. In Christ, we are no longer defined by our enslavement to our sin. Romans 6.11, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, he says, I send my messenger, he will prepare a way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Messenger of the covenant. Jesus is that appointed deliverer of that covenant. He confirms God's covenant. He seals it. With his blood. His blood is called in Hebrews 13 20 the blood of the everlasting covenant. Who's the covenant for? Malachi 1, 2, and 3 says, I've loved you. 
says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. Church, this is what never changes. The free and sovereign choice of God to save certain sinners of his choosing. God elected before time to choose Jacob and not Esau. God's love, his election, his salvation is for Jacob and not Esau. So who is given this gift of saving faith, of saving, saving sanctification? Malachi 3.6, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. His election is for Jacob and all the sons of Jacob. In other words, God is saying, I give my salvation to my elect, and I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, my elect, will not be consumed. This is good news, church. That God is determined. He's not random. He's not movable. In this very room today, the perfect and determined holy God could be in his providence awakening dead, unholy hearts. The unholy hearts of his elect, although we didn't know they were. You are a part of God's chosen people. When he's made your heart of stone a heart of flesh, when he's unstopped your deaf ears and given you ears to hear, maybe a message you've heard 300 times, but you hear it with faith, faith that he gives you. You hear it with conviction. You see that that salvation's for you, that Jesus died on the cross for you. It wasn't just a testimony that he died on the cross for many, but that it's for you. And in this Confess your sin to God and trust your life. Commit your life to the Lordship of Jesus the rest of your days. To die to yourself in salvation and live to Christ. is To be covered in Christ's righteousness, adopted into God's forever family, and never consumed. Praise God. May it be so in those of you who are in desperate need of salvation this day, if not soon, it is our prayer that it is God's will to save you. It is only in this regenerating work that you can see and savor the gospel of Jesus. It is only as a result of the holy work of God to save some that you might be saved this very day. Given a clear view of your sin, which causes you to repent, turn from it, to believe in Jesus alone for salvation, to turn to him. This is the only way an unholy vessel is made holy in the eyes of God. If this is you this day, the Bible says repent and believe. And we will rejoice with you that you too are a son of Jacob and not consumed by the eternal fire of God, but instead now given to the refining fire of God. Praise God for his saving grace that none of us deserve. And praise God for his refining work in our lives. His progressive sanctification. Colossians 3, 2-3, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. In Christ's church, we are declared holy, covered by Christ's perfection, which restores us to God, but in this time and place, we're still at war with our sin, with our flesh, 
And so progressive sanctification, maturity in faith has to go to work. This is a gift of God. This is his good work in us. Galatians 5.17, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Church, when you are saved by Jesus, you are victorious in Christ. You're no longer enslaved to your sin, but, Scripture's clear, you're still at war with your sin. A drug addict can be saved this day from, from many decades of hardcore drug addiction. Saved to be set free from their sin, to believe in Jesus. Does that mean that all of a sudden there is no more struggle with that drug? No. There's a work now to happen a power of God at work within that person to be able to turn from the things that once had a grip on them. But there's a journey of sanctification that is now ahead to honor the Lord, to fight sin. This is the process of sanctification, the journey of God to make us holy as we walk in the Spirit, fight sin for the glory of God. Did you catch the end of the Ephesians 2 passage I read, verse 10? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is God's plan for us who belong to him to live out our lives in growing sanctification, good works that honor him. God's purpose is not just to save us to heaven, but to save us to walk out good works. 1 Peter 1, 15-16 As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Praise God for the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, church, which frees his people unto sanctification. Hebrews 10, 14 By a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Back to Malachi 3.3, he will sit as a refiner, a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. A refiner's fire refines. It purifies. It, it melts down to separate the impurities that ruin its value. It burns them up, but it leaves the, the precious silver and gold intact. The Lord is a refiner's fire to us who belong to him. This is sanctification, progressive act of making something or someone clean or holy. Colossians 2, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Philippians 2. 12 through 13, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, now, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
two things we see we must hold to in this understanding of progressive sanctification. We're to work out our salvation, church. Are you working out? To lean into the work of the Holy Spirit, to lean into the word of the Holy Spirit, according to the written word of God. To be sanctified, to be matured, to never get to a place where like, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Kind of like where I'm at. Wow, I've come so far. No, to lean in, to, to continue to work out, to continue to be refined. 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So we do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. I discipline my body, and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Church, are you working out your salvation? Are you leaning in to the work of the Holy Spirit, the authority of the word, the work of discipleship in your shepherds in your life? Are you embracing these tools for progressive sanctification? All the while, church, it is essential we never lose sight of the fact that it is God who provides the spiritual power for sanctification. Men must always resist the temptation to assume that we, in effect, sanctify ourselves. No, the spiritual power comes from God. So we must rely thoroughly on God as the true agent in sanctification while faithfully discharging one's personal responsibility. Proverbs 21.31, The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. In the end, of our discipline, we see clearly the victory belongs to Christ. The power belongs to Christ. As much as you might struggle to fight sin, grow in holiness, it is God who is refining you. You must cling to him, abide in him, rest in him. Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God holds the time and place each of us will see our finish line. Because Christ has taken on death on our behalf, the keys to eternal perfection are his forever. All praise be to God. Why do we press into the refining fire of God? Why does God refine us? Let's not lose sight of this. It's ultimately so that God is glorified. Right? Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Why? Why refine us? Why save us? Why progressively make us more holy? For his glory, for worship of his name, for his fame. It's not for us. It's not to say, look at me. It's to say, look at God. Now, can I encourage you with this final warning? Don't play with fire. Don't play with fire. It's fire. And therefore, purity and holiness will be a painful reality, a painful journey. There will always be, as the Apostle Paul says, a proper fear and trembling in the process of becoming pure. We, we learn it from the time that we're young children, do we not? To not play with fire. It is a good lesson, Christian, in our sanctification. Our sanctification, God's refining our lives, is not a plaything. Don't be haphazard with it. Don't play with it. Train. Work out your salvation. Wake up with a diligence for the Lord. Have a passion for purity that's never flippant. Hate sin and love what is righteous that honors God. God is like a fire, and a fire is very serious. Church, a new year is before us. And we as a church family long to glorify him through lives that are being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? May this be a great catalyst for what he has in store for us this year. Pray with me as we prepare to worship him and close. Father, we thank you for this time together to, to celebrate, to, to hear testimony, to testify in the Lord's Supper, hear the testimony of two beloved brothers and sister who, who you've saved in baptism. Lord, we are thankful for the ways in which you are equipping this body with these new members who are now a precious and important part of this body. They serve a unique role in the life of this body. We want to love them, care for them, protect them, nourish them, and walk with them well. Lord, all together, we who belong to you, we're thankful for your work in Christ, in his covenant, new covenant that he made for us to be reconciled to you, the forerunner of resurrection, the one by which we are saved and made holy. We thank you for the helper, the Holy Spirit, who dwells in all of us who have trusted in you and been made new in you, who is at work to bring conviction, to bring to memory your word, to, to bring longing for what is righteous and glorifies you. May this be our joyful journey, even when it's painful, even when that fire is refining us and it hurts, that we would trust you, we would remain faithful, knowing that you're good, knowing that you have us, and diligent not to play with it, not to make light of it, but to do the work of working out our salvation, of abiding in Christ in all things, submitting ourselves to the authority of your word, 
and doing it all for your glory. Hear us now as we worship you. Prepare for the rest of our morning and our testimony this day. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen.